morning, Trinity Heights Church. It's great to see you all this morning. A while back, uh, you might remember that Stephen and I, mid-2020 quarantine, started Zooming back and forth and recording our conversations. Uh, those conversations grew into a discussion series titled A Community of Christians and Skeptics, which at its heart had the goal of addressing some of the more nuanced areas that exist between faith and doubt. Looking back on that conversation series, one thing that Stephen and I realized very quickly was that it wasn't going to be enough to end the conversation there. And it definitely wasn't going to be enough to just have the two of us always hashing things out because as fun as we might find it to be, it always has the potential of turning into a bit of an echo chamber. So today in the spirit of stepping outside of the echo chamber, we've decided to start an ongoing series of panel discussions that allow us as a community to check our pulse and hear from individuals whose stories quite literally uh, make up the life and breath of Trinity Heights Church. So this morning, it's my pleasure to welcome uh, Lauren Goff and Caitlin Canning. Lauren is currently knee deep in her first year of law school uh, at Columbia University and has been a part of Trinity Heights for the past three years. And Caitlin is in fact a practicing lawyer at a law firm here in the city and has been a part of Trinity Heights for a little over a year and a half now. Stephen joins us as he's had the pleasure of knowing uh, both of them for quite a while now. Of course, my name is Eric Helvey, and I'm happy to be moderating the discussion this morning. So Lauren, Caitlin, and Stephen, thanks so much for speaking today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, it's uh, really great to chat, and I'm uh, particularly excited because I've been wanting the two of you to, to meet for a while. I've been talking about you to each other for about a year, I think, and so you've got to meet, you've got to meet each other. And uh, I, I just think you're going to have uh, a lot in common, not just because you're both in law, but because um, I, I think a lot of your childhood and growing up experiences and life experiences is going to be a lot of overlap. And so it'll be interesting to see how some of that comes out in the conversation. So just just to be clear for you lawyers this this is a conversation it's not a deposition so you, you guys can relax <laughs> uh Stephen, really a lawyer joke uh, right off the bat <laughs> i got plenty of those uh well i guess all bets are off so lauren and caitlin feel free to jump in at any time and fend off steven's uh, treacherous bar it's, it's part of the training eric it's part of, it's part of your training right <laughs> Uh, so if it's okay with you all, maybe we could start off with, with you, uh, Lauren and Caitlin, just telling us a bit about how you found out about Trinity Heights Church and how you came to visit for the first time. Yeah, so I'm happy to start. Um, I had heard about mm -hmm. Trinity Heights Church for a number of months, actually, before I went to my first service. Uh, my friends, Kate Lucky and Rebecca Sebastian, had both attended. Uh, but at the time, I wasn't really a church-going person, so we hadn't really talked about it at length. Um, I attended my first service actually because a friend from college, Lee Jussier, uh, moved to the city and he was looking for a church and he had heard about Trinity Heights, uh, but he didn't want to go alone. And so he asked me to join him. And for me, religion has always been really personal. Uh, so I was actually really touched that he would ask me, uh, even though he knew that I didn't share his faith. Um, and at that point, I was in kind of a vulnerable place in my life. I had just gotten out of a, a long-term relationship. Uh, and so I found that it resonated with me in a way that I didn't fully expect it to. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing. Um, Caitlin, how about you? Sure. Um, my now boyfriend and I have been seeing each other for a few weeks at that point. Um, and after a few dates and philosophical discussions over a few cocktails, of course, uh, he invited <laughs> me to come along one Sunday. Uh, he kept telling me, oh, no pressure, no pressure, uh, which kind of freaked me out. Uh, wasn't sure what I was getting myself into. But I have to admit, uh, I was curious to see what Trinity Heights was all about and why he was so passionate. 
It's interesting because it's always so fascinating for me to hear about people's first times visiting a church. I think it can often prove to be an incredibly awkward and vulnerable experience. My wife, Megan, and I and our two-year-old son, Elliot, uh, back in 2009, when we first moved to New York, uh, we began searching for a church. And I remember having some really strange experiences that looking back still feel quite raw. I distinctly remember uh, visiting one church and being given a promotional ice cream scoop. <laughs> they give you the wrong flavor. <laughs> no, 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 not like actual ice cream. They actually gave me the, the physical object uh, branded with their church logo. <laughs> so cool. bizarre <laughs> yeah very weird so that, that really rubbed you the wrong way yeah <laughs> yeah it really did uh i guess i just felt like i was being overtly marketed to in some cheesy kind of way but mm. to be fair uh i was a young artist trying to make my way in, in new york city uh and, and i was bringing a lot of my own baggage to those first church visits and on top of that i, I was actually right on the brink of diving into a period of uh, vicarious um, atheism, uh, essentially a period of trying on the, the headspace of, of deep doubt, which which ended up lasting for about five years. And Stephen, I, I know that, that you've had kind of a similar experience uh, to mine. Yeah, that's true. Um, about 2001, uh, and I, I actually I can't believe it's been nearly a couple of decades now, but uh, around 2001, that's when I first started reading Frederick Nietzsche. And it, it just got to the point where I was really starting to think in these sort of atheistic terms. And, and I like the way you put it, uh, the sort of a, a vicarious atheism, because I wasn't going around mm -hmm. telling people I'm an atheist now, but that, that's mm -hmm. where my head was at. And I, I, was, I was looking at life and relationships through that lens. And I think that lasted for at least uh, about 18 months, about a year and a half, maybe a mm. little more. And this is quite different again from my sort of growing up years as an agnostic. Yeah, so, I mean, Stephen, based on what you've just said, I, I guess I imagine that you can relate to the feelings of awkwardness uh, at the thought of attending a, a church. And, and I'm curious, Caitlin and Lauren, back when you visited or even anticipated visiting Trinity Heights, uh, did you feel any sense of vulnerability, awkwardness, or, or even disconnectedness? Um, yeah, I was a bit nervous for sure because I didn't know what exactly to expect. Mm -hmm. um, Christianity for me was something I turned away from in my younger years. So I had this small voice in the back of my head kind of telling mm -hmm. me, hey, keep your guard up. Um, I absolutely had a sense of imposter syndrome um, and was really nervous to kind of jump, jump back into the proverbial lion's den, if you will. Um, sure. I did also feel a sense of disconnectedness, being a non-Christian, you know, listening to really beautiful lyrics um, of songs and words of the, of the sermon, but still having all these burning questions about underlying theology, you know? So mm -hmm. to me, church had always felt like some sort of secret society that excluded skeptics like me. Right, yeah, absolutely. And Lauren, how did you feel when you first visited? Yeah, so I definitely had uh, a good bit of awkwardness for the few first few months of uh, attending services, uh, which I'm realizing in retrospect was entirely my own projection. Um, but I was curious to see if it was possible that I might actually really like attending Christian services. Um, but I'd go to each service sort of assuming that it was going to be my last. I was sort of waiting for like confirmation that Christianity wasn't for me and this was the sermon that was going to do it. That's um, next week. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> Three years in. Yeah, still coming. Um, but I also think I had a lot of preconceptions about like how homogenous uh, a Christian congregation would be in ideology and also the expectations that they would have of a new person. Um, so I felt like a little bit of a fraud as a non-Christian. I was really nervous to ask questions. Um, I also had a fear of being proselytized to, and I was uh, really wanting to come to my own conclusions at my own pace. Uh, so unless I knew people there that I was going to catch up with, uh, I would typically speak in at 11.10 and then duck out immediately after the service. So apologies so, for anyone so I you're, shunned. You're, you're, you're the one who keeps showing up late. Yes, I am the reason, yes. I judge you for it. <laughs> Oh, uh, funny. I, I would have to say that uh, to some degree, my own experiences echo, I think, parts of, of both your experiences, Caitlin and Lauren, in, in particular, uh, certain past negative experiences with, with church or, or other believers uh, that, that still actually seem to affect me quite deeply, even to this day. Uh, so I, I'm curious, when you showed up at Trinity Heights for the first time, Bible in hand, shoes shined, nose clean, uh, you know, all ready to go. <laughs> you their grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> no, no you, you know what I mean? So when you showed up for the first time and uh, you, you had all these past sort of church experiences sort of uh, echoing in the, in, in the back of, of your head, uh, maybe good or, or bad, um, you know, were these things, these, uh, uh, this, this baggage, so to speak, um, uh, was it informing the way that you felt uh, in that current moment? Oh, absolutely. Um, I had a pretty negative experience in church and school growing up um, that not only impacted how I felt about my initial visit, but also, as I've come to realize, um, fed my own preconceived notions of Christians in general. Um, mm -hmm. As a kid, I would attend Sunday school and would be met with a, like ridicule for question, questioning these core tenets of Christianity that right. were presented to me, you know, who was I to, uh, you know, question the word of God, you know, um, as I got older, I witnessed the cruelty of my neighbors and these self-proclaimed Christians who ostracized those in my small community, myself included, um, who didn't like live up to that sort of Christian ideal or fall in line. Um, man, if I had a dollar for every time someone tried to save me when they found out I wasn't a Christian, my student loan debt would be non-existent. <laughs> uh, but from those past experiences, I thought I had a pretty good idea of what Christians were about. So I was on pretty high alert uh, for my first visit to Trinity Heights. Yeah. You know, I, I think I, experiences like that, you know, the, these past experiences, uh, bad experiences, they really do leave a lingering kind of bad taste in our mouths and uh, I, I'm curious Lauren uh, in your in your situation um, did you have similar good or bad past church experiences yeah so my exposure to church services growing up was pretty sporadic um, I occasionally went to church with my grandmother but primarily my experiences of church were through classical singing actually um, so I grew up singing and I would often sing uh, either Christmas or Divine Mercy concerts at the local Catholic church and at other churches um, and singing in church was always really spiritual for me um, I think probably more because of the singing than because of anything else growing up. Um, but interactions with adults after performances could be a little uncomfortable. Uh, often people would assume that I shared their faith. Uh, often people would tell me that I would make a really great Christian. 
Um, but my actual personal beliefs didn't seem to really play into their assessment that I would make a really great, great Christian. Um, I once found myself in a conversation when I was 11, where a fellow singer tried to convert me to Catholicism for an hour and a half. So uh, I think I had more of an open mind about Christian theology, honestly, than I did about social interactions with Christians, if that makes sense. Um, and so I kind of expected that I would feel uncomfortable, uh, like around the coffee and pastry table in the back. Um, I will say, actually, as a caveat, that people like Kate and Rebecca and Leisha have always been incredibly gracious and uh, have never put any pressure on me. And that's largely why I'm here. Mm. I find it really interesting uh, that each of you mention uh, how your backgrounds and experiences specifically as, as children or, or, or adolescents uh, uh, affect and, and have informed your, your feelings when you first visited Trinity Heights. Uh, you talk about the positive experiences, Lauren, the transcendence you felt through classical singing, and, and yet uh, intermingled with these deep negative, or, or you know, with these positive feelings, we have also deep negative feelings as well. Um, Caitlin, you mentioned being ridiculed, obviously, for questioning too much and, and, and even to the extent of being ostracized uh, for not falling in, in line. Um, Lauren, I'm sure being proselytized to at the age of 11 didn't feel great. <laughs> uh, I know for me, uh, uh, being told that, that drinking and dancing were both sinful activities didn't quite jive, and that did happen when I was a, a child and, and adolescent. And Stephen, I'm sure you have some doozies in the chamber. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I think it, it's difficult when you have those kinds of experiences as a, as a child, as a kid, with, with sort of people in authority over you, um, as opposed to running into this sort of thing when you're an adult, or perhaps when you find someone in your own peer group who says something. I mean, I, I remember when I was maybe uh, 14, 15 years old, another 14 year old told me, you know, Gandhi's going to burn in hell, you know, and, you know, it's one of my peers. And I'm just like, I just thought they're a bit of a kook, but that, that was it. Um, so I, I do remember my parents, though, arguing with my grandparents, um, saying that they didn't want us to be, and at the time, it was just me and my brother, they didn't want us to be indoctrinated and small minded. Um, and I, I do think that that was partly to do with their own uh, sort of experience of legalism, because they had been in church circles. Um, but my own personal experience of church was so sort of limited. I just wasn't around it enough. So, you know, I, I went to, at Christmas, um, maybe at Easter as well, sometimes just to keep my grandparents happy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's just, it was just much easier for me to come to Christianity without, without some of those sort of negative connotations. Sure. And I, I can imagine that that would be easier. Uh, also say that, I, I mean, I do think it's worth mining our, our pasts a bit. Uh, so if we can just kind of do a quick little experiment here, and maybe we can each share um, some details about how we were raised, both culturally and with regards to spirituality and religion. And obviously, Stephen, feel free to chime in as well. Sure. Yeah, so um, my mother was raised Methodist, uh, and my father was raised agnostic. And my parents actually met through the Transcendental Meditation Movement, uh, which for those of you who aren't aware is like the Beatles Meditation mm -hmm. Movement, very trendy at the time. Um, and they both adopted a kind of new age spiritual philosophy, which I was raised with. Um, so I was raised believing in reincarnation, was kind of a Hindu inspired idea of karma, uh, and then the ultimate goal of enlightenment over many lifetimes. 
Um, I was also believed, uh, raised to believe in things like energy healing and the occult and channeled prophecy, which I actually pretty much never talk about. Uh, so this is a little bit of a trust fall here with you guys right now. Uh, we'll, keep, we'll keep it between ourselves, I'm sure. Um, but uh, yeah, growing up in sort of a secular um, environment in Massachusetts, I really didn't ever talk about it. Um, in terms of Christianity specifically, uh, I was raised to believe that Jesus was a prophet, but that he was one of many. Um, and that basically all mainstream religions have some kernel of truth to them and they're all striving toward the same goal, but they just don't have the full picture. Um, and I was reminded when Stephen was talking about his parents uh, kind of message around Christianity uh, of my mother who was pretty turned off uh, after having been raised Methodist at the idea that a minister would have a more direct relationship with God than she did. Um, and so I thought of Christianity as a religion uh, where dogma kind of superseded your own direct experiences of God. Yeah, it's funny. I, a close friend of mine a, a while back told me the same thing, basically that he just couldn't understand the idea of, of a minister or pastor somehow being higher up uh, in, in some kind of religious hierarchy. And uh, it just seemed it, it rubbed in the wrong way. It was just inherently wrong. Wait, what's, what's, what's the problem here? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I remember agreeing with him. So <laughs> you would, uh, yeah. Uh, Caitlin, what about you? How how were you raised? Um, so I grew up in a very small, very rural community outside of Syracuse, New York, um, the real upstate. For those of you who don't know. <laughs> Uh, but I've always been more of a free spirit. And for me, religion and spirituality have always felt like one and the same. Um, I was a very curious child, as you might imagine, um, <laughs> usually lost in thought, typically buried nose deep in books for hours under some quiet tree in my backyard. Um, but my father was raised in a Catholic Methodist household and my mother was raised Southern Baptist. So I attended Sunday school and Episcopal church um, when I was very young. The, that's what I was talking about before. My questions about Christianity specifically were left unanswered. Um, then in adolescence and much to my mother's dismay, uh, <laughs> I turned away from Christianity in search of those answers. Um, you know, I was just looking for, I mean, at the time, um, yeah, I, I was just like searching for that extra piece, you know, to answers to all my questions. Um, but it was at that time that I discovered that some members of my family were pagans. So <laughs> in fact, my uh, future stepmother became a pagan, pagan chaplain at Syracuse University. Um, and my parents are still leaders in the upstate pagan community. Um, so my questioning spirit, I found, was embraced rather than stifled in that kind of environment. So I was free to really explore that more direct relationship with God that I was searching for at the time. Um, and for me, I mean, growing up with that, you know, magic and energy work became like second nature to me. And I was taught to, you know, respect our relationship with the forces of nature and everyone kind of walked their own distinct spiritual path. So that kind right. of thing. This is yeah. totally why I wanted the two of you to meet. I mean, you see, this, this, these, these are the kinds of experiences I'm like, wow. <laughs> it's amazing the, the amount of overlap. I, I yeah. Think. Really yeah, is. really. really uh, is. What about you, Stephen? I'm curious how how you were you were brought up. Yeah, I, I had some of that uh, find your own way sort of thing, um, which looking back on, I'm, I'm actually really grateful for because it meant I wasn't just sort of being forced into something. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I was growing up as an agnostic in, in the UK during the 1980s. And so I don't really remember ever having a single moment where I felt I had to sort of, I felt compelled to sort of justify myself to the, the religious people. Um, I, I never really perceived them as having some sort of, uh, I don't know, moral high ground or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons is because there, there were just very few religious people in my orbit. And, and uh, you know, even, even as 11 year old boys who wanted to appear tough and sound smart, we just instinctively knew that God and religion were, were really ideas for the emotionally weak and the, the intellectually feeble. Um, so you just didn't want to go there. Um, and, I, and I think that's because in the UK, it's just been a very incre- rapidly secularizing culture for, for a lot longer than o- over here. Um, you know, we, we'd have teachers showing us videos from Richard Dawkins, who is mocking God and religion. And I think the laws are, are different uh, over there. I, th- I think they're, they're, they're perfectly within their rights to proselytize us as kids um, in, the, in the classroom like that. Um, <laughs> But you know, when, when it's when it's uh, when it's like that, it sort of becomes a forbidden fruit. So your parents say, uh, and your teachers saying the same thing: don't don't be narrow-minded, don't be superstitious. And and so you, you're like, well, what if I want to be narrow-minded and superstitious? And, and so <laughs> here, here <Well>. I am. <laughs> I mean, actually, Stephen, Stephen, you are one of the most narrow-minded and superstitious people that I know. So, <laughs> well, what do you know? We try our best. Uh, Well, on that note, uh, and for the sake of time, uh, let's go ahead and wrap up uh, here for today and and pick things up next week. Uh, Caitlin, Lauren, Stephen, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Yes, thanks for having me. Yeah, this was great. Thank you. Thanks, Eric.